Games Podcast for late June 2019. My name is Tom Chick, and I am not playing uh, Northgard. This is Nick Diamond, and I am not playing Red Faction Gorilla. And this is Jason McMaster, and I'm not playing Cyberpunk 2077. Because no one is, McMaster. You're not that special. Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm not trying to, like, sound cool. I'm just not playing it right now. But are you catching up with all of the works of Keanu Reeves to prepare for when Cyberpunk does come out? Come out? You know, it would actually take me a long time to catch up. Because I've, I've seen a fair amount of his movies, but everybody's shocked by the Keanu movies I haven't seen because of my fandom, so... Well, you're going to need to check out a movie called Bad Batch, in which he basically plays David Koresh meets Jim Jones, and you'd never know it was him. You're also going to have to watch uh, Neon Demon, in which he plays, uh, I think he's a rapist. I'd like to see that movie, actually, Neon Demon. Um, All right, well, if you're going to be a Keanu Reeves completionist, put those on the list. What about that one where those girls, like, molest him or something? Oh, the Eli Roth movie. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Knock Knock with Anna de Aramis from uh, Blade Runner. Knock Knock is... uh, one of the few. Uh, you, don't, you know what? This isn't the movie podcast. McMaster, I, quit. I hate Eli Roth. See what happens. I just want to say, see what happens. This is what. This is what happens when you put movie stars in video games. It, it just yeah. everything goes off the rails. It's chaos. <laughs> I need to see the new Blade Runner. I still haven't seen it. Ugh, McMaster. Oh. I guess now yeah, we no. can talk about whether how bad the Witcher series is going to be. Can we? Can we talk about that too? That's going to suck. Uh, Oh, yeah. Jesus. All right. Oh, I, forgot. I forgot about that. Oh, I thought you were being like, oh, are they developing a Witcher? No, yeah, the damn TV thing. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the problem is with that is, though, that it would be really good if they just used the source material correctly because it's so pulpy. I think it would be fine as a TV series, but I don't know if they'll do it right, though. It's the real problem. Yeah, I, I bet you Dollars to Donuts is going to be dopey. Yeah, oh. yeah, sure. Oh, Nick, I mean, Nick, do you disagree? They, you, Nick is holding out for it not to be dopey? Yeah, no, I'm sure it'll be great. Like, instead of using the source material, what they could do is oh, yeah. put the bad guys in alien-looking armor. That would be awesome. Is that a real thing? Is that what they're doing? Yeah, that's a real thing. What? Really? Yeah, that's a real thing. Yeah. If, if you look online, there are images oh. of the... Uh, 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 what do you call it? The the main uh, invading the army. The Chitari. No. Yeah. No? <laughs> no, the human uh, main invading army. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, whatever. Uh, the, uh, the Nifgard. Yeah, the, the like, Nilfgaard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Why would? Oh, so they made them look like freaky or something? Oh my God, it looks like a Yui Bowl movie. No, oh, no. Yeah, it looks crazy. It looks <laughs> crazy. <laughs> oh. I don't know what they're doing. I don't... And does that have a release window? When can we watch Witcher, the Witcher series on Netflix? Is it Netflix? Ooh, I have no idea. Okay. Yeah, it's Netflix. I don't know. Oh, gee. That, by, by the way, that's no longer – like Netflix is, is almost like saying it's sci-fi channel oh. these days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, but let's talk about quality <laughs> entertainment. Let's talk about video games and not terrible <laughs> Netflix series. Um, McMaster, you're going to go last because you've made a promise to me that I expect you to keep – yeah, will, yeah. We will bring up shortly. But Nick, why don't you start <laughs> off because the game you're talking about is the oldest game from the ones we're going to discuss. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. true. It's, it is it's basically a relic, an antique. Yeah, yeah. It's a blast from the past yeah. is what it is. Um, yeah, so I am playing Just Cause 4. Uh, I was I was kind of feeling, uh, 
feeling like I wanted to check out uh, what Avalanche did with their... If you remember, we talked about it uh, during the Rage 2 podcast, how mm-hmm. you know Avalanche used their Apex engine to create something that was yeah, pretty cool, pretty smooth, right? Like, mm-hmm. the AI was good, the shooting was good, the movement is good, the driving is cool. So I figured, eh, let's go back to Just Cause 4. I actually skipped that one. Um, went back, loaded it up, and... You know... It's just, uh, how does a studio make Just Cause 2, then screw <laughs> it all up with Just Cause 3, get a bunch of feedback, get, you know, basically everyone tells them exactly what they need to do to write the ship, and then just continues to F it up in completely different ways. So what's wrong with it? Like, it's, I actually did play a little bit by, of it. And, and, by uh, F it up, you mean fix it up, right? That was a shortening for fix it up. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, I mean, so, it, you know, it's got that thing where uh, basically the game gives you everything out of the toy box right up at the beginning, right? Which, you know, in one way that's nice because, you know, now you're not holding back any toys from me. I don't have to unlock anything. Um but then there's no sense of real progression in the game. Like there's there's nothing really pulling you forward. It's got it's got these territories, right? Mm-hmm. That you're supposed to take over in this country, um, and you sort of take them over like in a little map, right? You you go do a mission in a particular base, and by the way, the missions in the bases have nothing to do with destruction. They're stupid things like hold out in this little square area for two minutes while bad guys attack you or uh, go destroy this one little foozle thing that has nothing to do with anything else uh, or go hit the console hotspot, you know, four of them before a timer uh, mm-hmm. unload. You finish that mission uh, and then you basically go to your map and you press a button that says, yeah, army of chaos who are, are your allies in this country, go invade that area. And they just do. Boop. They instantly just take over the area, you turn it red, uh, and then you move the border forward. Up at the border, it looks pretty cool when you get there because it's your army of chaos fighting the Black Hand. It looks very cool, right? Tanks shooting at each other, rocket launchers going back and forth, dudes, you know, shooting and yelling, ah, over here, over here, whatever. But you realize pretty quickly it, it's nothing. It's a it's an amusement park set. It they they never advance, they never retreat. Nothing happens in that battle. It's just a feature on the terrain for you to run past. So I can't get in there and help my army of chaos kill the other guys and help them advance. No, no that, that doesn't happen. No, that doesn't happen. It has nothing to do it's it's literally just a set piece that you right. just can skip. Um so you unlock these stupid territories. Uh, each territory that you unlock gets you like a ridiculous unlock in your menu. Like, hey, now thanks to taking over this one area, you can now call in a tuna boat. Ooh. Or, <laughs> or oh. you oh know, a, <laughs> yeah, a, like a knockoff VW car or whatever. And it's, I, I mean, it's these things where, I, like, I don't need them. There's cars everywhere. There's no, <laughs> I don't even know why they're offering me this stuff. The, the, some of them are like, hey, you can unlock a, a weapon that you can have airdropped in. Why would I do that? It takes 30 <laughs> seconds to do an airdrop, or I can just run over and grab a weapon from a dude I just killed. I, but maybe I, the weapon that you got, it has like it holds eight shotgun shells instead of seven. 
Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, and then it, it, you unlock enough of these areas, and then you get to a story mission, which uh, is one of these, like, five weather control. Right? A big old tornado. You have yeah, to fight a, a tornado. Big, very exciting. A big tornado or a lightning storm or a dust storm. Um, very, you know, it, it's it's a pretty cool uh like the first one that most people do is the tornado, right? Um, so it seems very cool, like oh, this tornado and it's sucking up cars and there's debris flying everywhere, uh, and then pretty much you don't care about the tornadoes after that. Like they 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 come and go on the land, but they have nothing to do with anything. Again, they don't help you uh, really in takeovers. They don't hurt you. Uh, there's no death consequence in the game, so I, I don't even know why they bother. Um, and then, like I said, destroying things, the you know, the thing that everybody wants to do in the Just Cause games, right. really does nothing. Like, <laughs> there's this, like, destruction meter that you, you, you can, you know, keep destroying things to add to levels, but unlocking those levels really doesn't do anything. It's, right. it's just a number. Hey, great, you're level 8 destruction. Like a score. Sweet, bro. Yeah. yeah. Um, what I seem to recall that the progression that they th- that I, I seem to recall that they think that the progression that you want that will pull you forward through the game is unlocking different elements of the physics based silliness where you can stick a jet on something and then inflate a balloon on it so that it sh- floats up in the air and then the jet yeah. pushes it. But you, what you can unlock is the jet to fire at an oblique 45-degree angle instead of right. straight on. So <laughs> that's the kind of thing you unlock. Or the jet yeah. fires for six seconds instead of four. Instead like, of two seconds. Or exactly. The, the balloon now uh, inflates, and then when it gets to a certain height, it explodes. Right, exactly, like, yeah. There are these weird little variables you unlock, and they're crap. They're honestly crap. Unless, well, unless you just, the, like, effing around. Yeah, there's nothing in the game that uses them. Like yeah. it's just it's just if you want to entertain yourself by having a balloon pop earlier, uh, that's the progression system in Just Cause Four. I mean, I guess the one the one thing I can say out of those weird variables that you unlock, there's one where you can, well, there's a couple where you would unlock it to make the jet thing uh, very short and explode at the end of its run. So. It sort of acts like a sticky bomb at right. that point, right? And that's, I guess, maybe the one thing you'd care about. But like everything, it's so stupid. Like I don't, who cares if your chain retracts faster? Right. I, like, <laughs> I have no idea what that even means. Like why? Why bother? <laughs> um, aren't there challenges? Like, like I guess it's all just to unlock stupid little vehicles you don't even need. But I do remember when I was playing it, driving a limousine up onto a cliff and trying to ramp through a ring a couple of times. Oh, I, yeah. forget, I forget why I was doing that or what I was even going to get for it. Actually, I just did that one. Okay. And that is literally you drive the limousine through a windy neighborhood. Right. At the end of the neighborhood, there's a ramp. You yep. shoot through the ramp and you go through the hole. That unlocks the limousine. <laughs> For you to have air dropped in. Why you would ever do that, I have no idea. That might be what killed the game for me. Is I just got yeah, a limousine. It's, it's okay. dumb. It's super dumb. And they're these... So the first... 
DLC. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask about. Is that they've, they've announced one that's coming out that looks like weird, freaky alien stuff. Does Could the DLC save this? I, I, well, I was going to say, based on the first DLC that's come out, which is uh, stunts. Um, so you, there's another faction that shows up on this stupid country that's like, oh, we hate the Army of Chaos, but we'll work with you, Rico, uh, and here's our test. Do these crazy stunts. So it's more of these vehicle-based stunts that you can do, and they unlock upgrades to your car. But again, why would you ever need it? Because the best way to get around the game is your chain and glider and parachute. Right, yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's dumb to get in your car. It's just, you're just killing yourself to get in the car. <laughs> um, so that's the first DLC. Uh, it's not great. Uh, the second DLC, I suppose, that's coming out is one with, like, I think there's supposed to be demon invasions or aliens or something like like pods come up okay. all over the land. Uh, and then you go into the little area and there's these like mutant alien looking things that shoot globs of slime or whatever at you. And mm-hmm. you have to destroy pods to unlock uh, a main pod in the middle and then mm-hmm. you destroy that and clear the space i suppose there's some kind of story thing attached to it but I, honestly if it's got if it's anything like the story in the main game i i don't care <laughs> you know what if they're gonna if they're gonna open up like a hellgate and send a demon invasion across this map and then let me save the map i wouldn't mind doing it. i might i might try this nick i'm 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 not I'm not as disillusioned as you are because I haven't played it recently. Uh, but I'm if they're going to do something cool with the demon invasion, I want to be there and see what's going on. Yeah, I don't think they're doing anything cool with the demon invasion. <laughs> I'm pretty I'm pretty sure what's going to happen is yeah? the demon invasion spots are just going to spawn in because this is this is part of that sacrifice with an open world design, right? You can't you can't restrict the player uh, for where they go and in what order they do things. So I'm pretty sure the spawn spots are just going to pop up in these areas. They're not going to have anything to do with the territories. Um, and they're just going to be discre- discrete little areas that you go into to fight these aliens. You clear it out and you get the radio high five from whoever it is that's you know narrating your mission. Yeah, good job, Rico. You've cleared the demons. On to the next nest. Maybe I'll unlock the ability for my jets to last eight seconds instead of six. I mean, you could. (laughs) (laughs) You could. Um, And the one really frustrating thing about Just Cause 4 is, you know, in Just Cause 2, it had, I think, just the right amount of cheese factor in the story where... The characters that popped up didn't make me groan and want to just leave. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there was, and, and I know I think you're a big fan, Bolo Santosi. Of course, everybody's uh, a big fan of Bolo Santosi. Big fan, right? Right. Bolo Santosi. The world shows loves up. Bolo Santosi. Nick. <laughs> She's got the goofy accent. She's, no, that's how they know, talk. <laughs> She's got the weird, uh, almost flirt but not flirt with Rico thing going on. Super um, sexy. Yeah. Yeah. Super awesome. Super awesome. Uh, but in this one, they're so everyone is so bland. I like I just don't care about anybody in this game. Right. Hey Rico, I'm the archaeologist and I want you to 
roll these stupid stone balls into puzzle areas. Oh, and, I remember that. Uh, right, right. Yeah. And and then you'll hit a switch, and then I'll give you the radio high five. Good job, Rico. You've unlocked the foozle at the archaeology site number three. On Nick, to the next who's, one. <laughs> who's worse, the characters in Just Cause 4 or the characters in Rage 2? Oh, boy. I'm going to uh, – you know what? I'm going to go with the – the characters in Just Cause 4. They're Ouch. so they're so right. bland. They're right. so bland and terrible. I don't know why uh, Bola Santosi isn't the playable character instead of that Rico dude. Yeah, Rico's not... I mean, he's the, you know he's that blank slate character, I yeah. guess. Bring but, in Bola you know, Santosi. Let me play her. Yeah. <laughs> That's what everybody wants. All right, Just Cause 4. I'm, I'm still going to check out this demon thing. Like, I'm, uh-huh. Is it next week? I, I think it is next week, yeah. Awesome. It's, it's next week. It's, uh, eh, eh, I'll check it out. I'm, I'm slogging through it. All right. I mean, I'll take it from here if you want, Nick. You don't have to. I'm happy to check out the demon invasion myself. Oof. We'll see. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> you can do it with your unlocked limousine. <laughs> Sweet. I can't wait to get in a limo and fight demons. All right. <laughs> Well, all right, I've been playing a game that I really liked at first called Driftland, uh, but it was one of those chick parabola things where what I liked about it was learning the systems and learning how to play it. And then once I kind of realized what they were doing, uh, it lost a little bit of its luster. Uh, now, it didn't fall apart because it had a crappy AI. That's traditionally what happens with the chick parabola is you learn a game, and then at a certain point, you know it well enough to see how poorly the AI can handle it, and then you get disillusioned with the game. Uh, the game I played, Driftland, is a city builder meets an RTS, and the way they get around AI issues is they make it play like Majesty, where the heroes that you create... Uh, they walk around and they do their own thing uh, according to pretty much the same AI that the other players on the map are using. So it's the AI fighting itself, and it's just as dumb as it is fighting itself. Uh, you know, it's it's equally dumb on both sides. Um, but what you can do as a player is plant little flags with a monetary value to encourage your units to go to certain areas and do certain things. Uh, you can furthermore... And this is weird. This is one of the weird issues with this game. So it's a city builder mainly uh, in that you're building little buildings and you have to balance your gold income with how much food you're creating versus how much food people eat. And the more people you have, the more gold they make, but then the more food you require. uh, And then you need to get lumber. And let's see, there's stone. And then there are precious, uh, or there are more rare minerals like coal and uh, iron and then there are rubies and diamonds for certain higher level upgrades so there's all these resources you're collecting Uh, and in building buildings you can build like a barracks and then an archery uh, barracks and then a wizard barracks and then at each one of those buildings you can hire a certain number of heroes and you pay for the heroes and they pop out of the barracks and they just run around and they do the business that's asked of them defending the kingdom or exploring or training Um, And one of the things you can build is a blacksmith. And you build a blacksmith, and it has upgrades for your units. And we all know this pattern from games like StarCraft uh, or WarCraft. You know, you build a barracks, and then you build a blacksmith, and you go to the blacksmith, and you upgrade improved armor. And you click on it, and you pay for it, and now all of your warriors have plus one armor. You know, you recruit, you, you build improved swords. You click on that at the blacksmith, and now all your guys have plus one swords. 
So you do this in Driftland, and you build the blacksmith, and there are improvements for your units that have names like uh, – they, they're, they're basically – flavor text that gives you an indication of what it does like it improves the unit's attack value or it makes it have a better chance at a critical hit or it gives it a little bit of an evasion percentage uh, and these improvements for the units you buy them and presumably they apply to the unit but i was doing this weird thing where i had my military and they kept getting killed because they were being fought by other enemies that had all of these upgrades and none of my guys were getting the upgrades that I was buying. I was clicking in the blacksmith to give my guys the improved evasion, to give them the additional attack value, and none of them had it. Like, where were my bonuses going? Uh, and this is where I realized one of the idiosyncrasies of Driftland is that in when you did this in Majesty, you would research a potion or a better suit of armor or a better sword, but you would have to make one for each hero. Like you made one and then your heroes would come and they would buy it and then they would have it in their inventory. You made it available for them to buy. Here in Driftland, you're not researching an upgrade for everyone. You're researching a discrete pick-upable power-up that they can come in and pick up and then walk away with. But for some reason, they're not giving these improvements item names. Like if I want the thing that gives my guy a better attack value, it's not called, you know, an improved longsword. It's called something like uh, For the Kingdom, which I think For the Kingdom, yeah, I research it, and now everybody fights For the Kingdom, and they have a, a, an attack bonus. But no, one, I, I build a For the Kingdom, one guy goes to the blacksmith, he picks up For the Kingdom, and he puts it in his inventory slot. And it, when I click on him, I can see his inventory slots. One of them has for the kingdom, and it gives them an attack bonus, but now there are no more of those in the blacksmith. I have Ew. to build one for each of my dudes. That's a great idea. I love it. It's a great resource sink, but for Pete's sake, call it a sword. Call it a battle axe. Call it something that has that makes it clear that I'm building one for everybody. Uh, and Driftland is shot through with this kind of issue. It will not teach you how to play it. There's no real – the basic tutorial can give you the basics, but then it unfolds all these upgrades, and there are all these magic spells, and it's up to you to go through and sort of study the tooltips and, and infer from what they tell you how things work. Uh, and I – I just I, I find some of that some of that was a huge obstacle for me to figure out what the hell was going on. Um, so once I figured it out, I kind of like what they're doing. It reminds me a lot of Northgard, which is a city builder that has military elements. Um, it's primarily a city builder in that it's primarily about managing your resources and the balance of food and gold and lumber and stone, uh, with all this military stuff going on in the background. But my issue with it is it ultimately comes down to the military stuff. And Northgard was the same. I'm playing a city builder. I expand to a certain region, to a certain extent, to a certain border, and then, and then I hit the borders of another empire. And now whichever one of us has made the best military along the way is just going to kill the other guy and eat up his territory. Uh, but until, unlike... A real-time strategy game where it's playing out in real time and there can be some back and forth and our forces meet and they're scouting in this it's just I don't really know if I'm gonna get creamed until I finally meet the other faction and then one of us prevails uh, I just feel like it has the classic issue of city builders with a military element 
city builders have a really hard time implementing a military element, combat, basically. Because if you're a real-time strategy game, you're probably not a city builder. And if you're a city builder or a real-time strategy game, you're probably going to have a hard time fitting. So they have to come up with some compromise. Uh, and I've never really found a game that does it very well. Uh, so Driftland is cool. It has some unique elements. It's set on floating islands. Instead of exploring a map, you literally go out and magically pull shreds of the map into your mass of floating islands. That's kind of cool. Uh, when you fight another empire, you have to tear away bits of his floating island and carry it over to your empire. Uh, you have to get your units flying mounts so that they can fly around and fight these other floating territories. Uh, there's a cool magic system. But once I sort of figured out what it was doing, <clears throat> it's now a matter of, yeah, I play a city builder for an hour, and then if I have a better military than whatever AI faction I'm fighting, I win. If I don't, I lose. Uh, and to its credit, Northgard, which does a similar thing, at least has multiple paths to victory. I don't think that's really the case in Driftland. There is an option to conquer a bunch of shrines. Uh, that's one victory condition. The other victory condition is just to wipe everybody out. But if you have to conquer all the shrines, you're basically wiping everybody out in, in, the, in the process. Uh, so Driftland, charming at first. Uh, I think the longer you play it, you also see that the different factions don't really feel that different. There are four of them. The Dark Elves just have minor differences from the Wild Elves, who have minor differences from the Dwarves, who are basically humans with a slightly unique uh, power here and there. So there you go, Driftland, RTS uh, City Builder. Not sure I recommend it, uh, but I enjoyed my time with it. But I'm done, so... There you go. McMaster, I now would like you to fulfill your promise that you made to me. Uh, I, I guess I should explain to the folks at home, maybe. So, like, uh, okay, so Tom and I have this thing where we decide where games are not for somebody. And uh, most games are not for me, according to Tom, I think. I don't even know why I like games. But uh, Driftland, uh, by the way, not for you, McMaster. Well, I'll agree with you on that one. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so so I have that with Tom, too. There's games I know Tom won't like, so I don't, I don't even try, right? And, and my game this week was one of those games I thought that at first, maybe. And my game this week is Pathfinder Kingmaker. Mm. And what I said at the beginning of the podcast, before it started, was I told Tom, I was like, I promise you that by the end, you'll want to play Pathfinder Kingmaker. <laughs> so, that's Now, what can I tell you what you're up against, McMaster? Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine recently started playing Pillars of Eternity 2. Uh, it's a game that I, I jumped into when it first came out, but I realized right off the bat that it really wanted me to know the storyline stuff from Pillars of Eternity 1. Uh, Absolutely. And I, that and does I, make a difference in that game. Yeah, and I'd never finished uh, Pillars of Eternity 1. I only did a little bit of the, the early parts of it. So I stopped playing Pillars of Eternity 2 and just bailed and thought, okay, maybe one day I'll get to it. But my friend who's recently started playing it uh, there are two reasons I really want to maybe just jump into Pillars of Eternity 2, and this is what Pathfinder is competing with. They recently added turn-based combat to their continuous real-time combat system, and I was super skeptical that that could work. Because if you, if you design a continuous time combat system and then try to make it turn-based, uh, I, I think that's a difficult... Uh, direction to take things. Um, sure. So my friend who's playing says, you know what? Turn-based works out perfect. And then the other thing in Pillars of Eternity 2, you get your own ship. 
and you can sail it around and attack stuff. Sure, yeah, so yeah. I mean, those are the two things you're up against if you're trying to make me want well, to play Pathfinder. So, okay, well, I mean, I can pretty much hammer both of those, but like <laughs> the um, because there's already mods for Pathfinder that make it turn-based. Um, so whatever, you can just, those, just that's called cheating, those. McMaster. Not really. Yeah, I mean, okay, sure. Actually, but, I didn't um, even know. So Pathfinder is a continuous real-time combat system? Yeah, it's like Pillars. Uh, and you just and pause that. and give orders whenever you want, and then unpause right. and let things happen. Okay. Right, right. Um, so there's that. And the other is you get your own kingdom in Pathfinder Kingmaker, which is cooler than a ship. That kind uh, of is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but... And it is cool. Like, I was really surprised because, you know, uh, I, I guess it came from you, but I adopted this thing years back where I I just don't pay attention to a lot of games because if I find out too much about them, I might, you know, either want to play them or if they're not out, then it's just going to bother me. Mm-hmm. So I kind of let Pathfinder go by. I didn't think a lot about it. But then I started seeing people, like, recently say that it was, like, their favorite game, their favorite RPG. And these are people that play a lot of RPGs. So... Mm-hmm. I was curious, um, and I, I got to admit, it, it's made a big impression on me. Uh, the The downside to it is that it's real wonky with the 3.5 D and D rules, the Pathfinder rules. It's it's like total like you. It helps if you know at least something about D and D. I know that because, a, I know that a twenty is a critical hit. Does that help me? Right. Eh, sort of. <laughs> It's like it's not real friendly with a lot of the nuts and bolts. We'll put it that way with stuff. Uh, not real friendly in that it it's under the hood, or that it asks you to figure out a lot of stuff on your own. Or it's under the hood, and all the data is there. You can view okay. it. You just don't know what the hell it means a lot of the time, unless you you know. So like if you know if you know what a DC is, DC twenty six is, which is you know like a it's like yeah it's a dice roll that with a difficulty of twenty six. Okay. So that's how they do armor and stuff like that. It's just weird terminology. It's the 3.5 uh, D&D stuff. Um, but other than that... Wait a minute. I thought Pathfinder was its own like RPG it system. It is. It's oh. But it's like when they stopped making D&D 3.5, the people that made it just made it into Pathfinder because they liked it better than what D&D was. I didn't into. realize that Pathfinder was an outgrowth of D&D. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's not an official it. one, but it's the folks that did 3.5? Right. It is literally the 3.5 rules, just rewritten. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because, and it's for people who like super complex nuts and bolts dice, you know, D&D role-playing stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and that's cool. I like that to an extent. I like both styles of the D&D games. So, um, but this one is interesting. You... You start off, you make your character, and you go through kind of the introduction thing, and then you're sent out on a quest to rid the bandits from this this area of the world. And if you do so, you become the Baron. And you go, and it, it runs like Baldur's Gate, you know, or Pillars of Eternity or whatever. You, you move around on a map, except you move a lot more on this map. Wait, There's your like, character huh? becomes a Baron? You get a Barony like that? You, you kill yeah. some bandits, and you become Baron so-and-so. Oh, it's more than just that. I mean, you clear out. A whole area, you know. But of, you 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 become landed gentry. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. the whole thing. Yeah. Right. And then like the kingdom, of course, they want you to be friendly with them and all that. So whatever. And then there it gets to the political intrigue stuff, and it gets to you have to manage your kingdom and your peasants will get really angry at you and stuff like that. So 
it's kind of cool because you have the option to ignore that if you like. You can just turn it to automatic mode, uh, but, but or you can do the whole thing. Uh, and it's it can be quite difficult, though they've refactored it with their re-release, their recent re-release. Um, so it's really uh, considerably easier, from what I understand, to handle, because it was almost broken before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it, it seems to work well. And, and all of that stuff's great. It's cool. You move around with your party over this overland map that has tons of locations and roads and you have to camp and when you camp your npcs have interesting conversations and they cook and hunt and stuff and uh so it's, it's like really cool um now real quick so you, you've made your own character are there also like mm-hmm. scripted characters in here yeah okay. yeah so oh that's another that is something that you'll find interesting if, if even if it's not a make or break thing one thing that i really liked i thought was cool was how you fight through the beginning of the game like there's an ambush or there's a, a big fight right before you go off to fight for your barony and how you act and your answers decide which people come with you because they get to choose your party members do Mm-hmm. At the beginning, you eventually get access to a lot more. So, depending on how you answer stuff, you might get a priest and you might not. You know, you might, <laughs> which I did not get a priest. So, that, that was interesting for the first part of the game. A lot of potions. Um, and stuff like that. I thought that was pretty cool. But, uh-huh. and it's a really interesting, it's a huge game as well. But, that's not what I think will make you want to play it. Oh, well, you're doing a good oh. job so far. All right. So, you still got. You still got oh, an ace yeah. up your sleeve? All right, what do you got? Show me. Okay. So the latest DLC is ridiculous. So it, it adds this giant dungeon to the base game, and it's a set dungeon. You can go in and do all this cool stuff in it, but that's not the interesting part. It also adds a new game mode where it's a roguelike. That it uses D&D rules, and you make a D&D party. McMaster, and it, uh, you're cheating. It's not fair. <laughs> That's why I had no problem going, oh, I know what I am. <laughs> so, like, Wait a minute, you can't have a roguelike in an RPG oh, no. that has fixed characters and a storyline. and You, you can't have a roguelike. That's not in there. You're, you, did you have a fever dream and invent this no. in your head? No, no. no All right, how's it, how are you having a roguelike in a, in a story-based RPG like this? There's no way so, this works. From yeah. the main menu, you choose the dungeon, and then you go into it, you make uh, a character, and then it gives you a certain amount of money, and you can buy new characters with that money. So if you go in with less than six, you get more experience, but it's harder, right? you know, and stuff like that. But you can purchase characters and equipment and things. But the dungeon works kind of like Diablo. Each level is kind of like a different theme that randomizes, like, you know, some of them are foggy, and some of them are like these weird demonic levels. Some of them are ice-based or fire-based. And um, you go down through the levels and you fight bosses. Uh, and as you do, I mean, you're going to lose characters because mm-hmm. they give you the option if you want to be able to save, but it defaults to Iron Man mode where you mm-hmm. can't save, you know. So, of course, I play that way, naturally, like any good human would. Because it's not a roguelike if you, if you can just exactly. reload and play. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. So what happens then is interesting because, like, when you get killed – you're like, oh man, that sucks. And I was kind of confused at first, So, but I go back and I start the game mode up again, and I choose, yeah, I want to do this. I chose my settings, and it pops up, and it goes, is this the save you want to use? And I'm like, oh, okay, sure. And it gives me 
the choice of three bonuses I can get. One is like a little bit extra experience. One is starting with more gold and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And as you get deeper in the dungeon and as you die and unlock stuff, it unlocks more items on the vendors ah. and different stuff. So, yeah, uh, it's it's fascinating. And, and the way the, – the one thing that's really interesting about it is – it takes a little time to build your character the first time that you want to try out, but you mm -hmm. get to the point where you're just like, click, 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 you know. But, like, uh, it, and you go in and you have to build your party and everything. So you're trying to min-max it, but there's also this thing where you can just kind of try anything. And so that's kind of an appealing thing, too, because there's a million classes in Pathfinder. So if you're not sure how something's going to work in the main game, you can just play through it in that dungeon mode, and you gain levels pretty fast. Right. So you can, you know, just power up your characters. And it's everything. like a test bed. Right, exactly. So you get to kind of mess around with all sorts of different characters and classes and combinations. And, uh, yeah, it's it's really cool. Okay, um, here's, here's a question that I have that I think I'm going to be disappointed in the answer. Uh, this sounds like an awesome mode. I would certainly be interested in this. Does it integrate in any way with the, the main game? Well, yeah, the dungeon is in the main game, but the mode itself doesn't. Like, the dungeon, they put the dungeon in the main game, but I think it's a static version of it. Okay, so but this whole idea of playing it like a, a roguelike, it's completely separate from the... It, it's basically like the... Do you know the Moon Crash DLC for Prey? Oh. You mean the best DLC ever? Yes. Exactly. Right. But that's like – and it's like a – it's in the same area, but it's a separate game. It's a separate executable. You can either play right. Prey or you can boot up Moon Crash, and there's no crossover between them gameplay-wise. Yeah. So that is what it's like. Okay. Um, but you – know, All right. I'm sad. Master, you've made me sad. All right. Like but, I was hoping you maybe know, you could earn money for your kingdom or something with your little roguelike play. But okay. Fair enough. That would be hard to know, do. Yeah. And that's the thing is like – I. If I didn't like the main game so much, I probably wouldn't as be into the DLC as I am. But it, it is really interesting. Um, Here's a question. It, is it viable to, to just play the roguelike alone on its own and then eventually play the full game? Like, Is that is that yeah. a, a, a viable way to come to Pathfinder Kingmaker? Is just get yeah. used to the system by playing the roguelike and then jump into the full game later? Sure, yeah. I mean, the only downside to it is the full game's going to have more of a tutorial introduction. Okay. Uh, but it is a basic, you know, isometric RPG. I mean, it, it's it's pretty much, if you've played one of them, you've played all of them, you know. Pillars like, of Eternity is just like it, you know. Right, right. It's got the bar at the bottom with all your spells and crap that you can put on it and, uh, you know, all that stuff. It might not even be as advanced, Uh because I don't know if you can change formations easily. And somebody, you probably can, and someone's going to call me an asshole. But, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, uh, it's not as, I wouldn't say it's as fleshed out, but it is pretty, uh, it's pretty similar. It's a very high quality um, production. So, and it's actually a lot of it is voiced. I was surprised by that. Like a lot more than I expected. Um, but yeah, it's 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 really cool, and there's a few DLC out now that have added to the main game, so there's there's a lot to do. Now I know the Pathfinder universe from a really cool tabletop card yeah. game called Pathfinder Adventure Card Game. That's <laughs> the name they came yeah. up with. Um, it is would I recognize anything in Kingmaker? You would probably recognize like um, like the classes and stuff, I would imagine, or the okay. different kind of stuff that goes on. And I don't. I'm trying to remember, yeah, the monsters. Um, also, well, it, there, there's in, in a path, zombie or two in it. 
I mean, cool. so like I mean, another the Tom Ship Kryptonite. <laughs> so like, yeah. It's well, the tabletop yeah. game has several uh, distinct settings. Like, there's a desert setting that's like ancient Egypt with a crossed with a little bit of like yeah. Tales of Arabian Nights. They have like a pirate setting. It's like the um, Mummy thing or something, right? I can't remember the name of that. Uh, one, but yeah, Curse of the Curse mummy. of the Mummy, I think. Yeah. Something like uh, that. And then there's the Skinsaw horror add-on to the yep. first set. So like, it is is stuff like that. Would I maybe find stuff like that in Kingmaker? Quite possibly. And, like, the thing I would say about it is I'm pretty sure it's, like, an official game, so I'm pretty sure it's their official map. Oh, so there's... I didn't... Okay, right, right. I, I'm, uh, I, I'm pretty sure. So what is the I, Pathfinder land called, McMaster? I'm going to quiz you. Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> Ta- terra firma. <laughs> oh, okay. Fair enough. Okay, I'll sure. get, I would believe you if you told me that was the answer. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's copyrighted. I think you could use that. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure, yeah. Uh, well, McMaster, you've fulfilled your promise. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I know it's unfair with the roguelike part. And it's a new edition, so. I know, it just I, I came also, out sixth. <laughs> it, it's, it's the sort of thing, too, where I, I know that when it first came out, it had to, as will happen with a lot of games, and they're a first time developer, even though there are a lot of veteran developers at Owlbear, whatever they're called. Um, Owlcat. Owlcat, right. Um, uh, I think it's their first release as a studio, and I know that it had some launch issues, uh, and it's the sort of game where uh, I I would want to maybe check it out several months down the line, and it sounds like this is the several months down the line when you might want to check it out. Yeah, it's certainly at this point uh, been patched a lot. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they like, uh, they've, they've done a lot to it. We know what I'm doing, McMaster? I am crossing Pillars of Eternity 2 off the list, and I'm writing Pathfinder Kingmaker. Oh, snap. You know, I like... And I Sorry, like Obsidian. Too, but um, I uh, I don't know. It, it's it's a strange story. I mean, that's a game that does re- like demand you know the story. Right, Which right. is interesting for them, because, you know, most of the time nobody cares about a story. Well, Obsidian, you know, when they get into their story stuff... And didn't Chris Avalon work on both... Pillars yeah. and Kingmaker. I don't. Did he work on Kingmaker? He's worked on everything. So I you know what? You're right. Yeah. If, if it's a fantasy RPG, yeah, right. Chris Avalon's name is probably down in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So there are our three games this week. Uh, Nick and I are pretty uh, meh on Just Cause Four and Driftland. Yeah. McMaster, you got the exciting part this week with uh, Oh, yeah. yeah. Avalon is the narrative uh, designer, senior okay. narrative designer. <laughs> oh, course. does that mean he works at Owlcat? Or who knows? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, who knows? He's a freelancer now, I think. Right, but, right. Yeah. A very vocal one, I understand as well. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> All right, so thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, I'm going to go download and install Kingmaker, and I'm going to uninstall Driftlands. And, uh, Nick, it's up to you to investigate that demon invasion next week and get back to us on whether that's worthwhile. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Good luck. I don't know. (laughs) We'll be back to talk to you guys about that stuff and more in two weeks. I am Tom Chick. I have been here with Jason McMaster and Nick Diamond. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Cheers.